Hello, and welcome back to Pros and Content brought to you by Notch. I'm your host, Ellen Schwartz. In this episode, I spoke with Kimberly Anderson-Much, a content leader with a head for data. She'll tell you she's a writer at heart, which a lot of content marketers can relate to. But right now, and probably forever, C-suites are asking marketers to show them the numbers. And content marketers don't get to shrug that off. Kimberly has seen success using data to guide her work from blog posts to a full website relaunch. And she knows how to communicate that value to the organization and leadership. Keep listening. Really quick, before you forget, do me a favor and make sure you're subscribed. You don't want to miss a single episode with these leading B2B SaaS marketers who know how to prove their contribution to business growth at all stages of the funnel. And now here's your interview. Hey, Kimberly, thanks for being here. Hi, Ellen. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Oh my gosh, you bet. I invited you here because you were a absolute rock star and basically wrote up a summary of one of our previous episodes just a couple ago with Kevin Indig about SEO practices. And you posted it on LinkedIn and I was like, this is better than the work I do. So (laughs) I wanted to reach out and talk to you and figure out what's going on in your brain. So Let's do this. You're a content leader, but you are very data informed, which I will just say, I think that's unusual. But I also think it's what content needs to be starting to focus on in our current environment, but also just as data platforms get better and as marketers get more and more access to data. So talk to me about how you feel you are as a content marketer. That's a loaded question. (laughs) I think I'm great. (laughs) (laughs) My background it's complicated. So my background is definitely absolutely in writing, but I learned very early on that data-informed writing is the most effective type of writing, especially in a digital space. So very early on, I learned about Google Analytics, of course. And then most recently in my consulting career before I became full-time again, I engaged with Google Search Console, keyword platforms, other SEO tools to help develop content. So my process is very much about understanding a constituency and audience and then taking a look at the analytics to see what's really resonating with that audience and developing content based on that. So I don't develop content based on what I think is going to work or what maybe other people in an organization think is going to resonate, but really what we're actually seeing resonate with these audiences through data-informed analytics. What you just said there is the really important bit is that content writers and the hippos of the world, so the highest paid person's opinion in the world, Mm -hmm. think that they know, and it's not that they don't know things, that's not fair, but there are going to be some things that feel like they're just like a viral idea but there's no data to support it. And what you're saying is you can look at some of this data to understand what's actually resonated, what's actually making an impression with your exact audience. That's right. That's the most important bit here that I'm hearing and showing that it's working and not just that you liked it. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because I've worked with a lot of people in the C-suite, either developing their thought leadership pieces or ghostwriting for them. And they say, I want to write about X, Y, or Z. And I ask them why, why do they think this resonates with the audience? How does this fit into the institutional goals? And usually we end up going with something else because it doesn't track. First of all, those were two great questions for any content marketer to push back with. But I think it's too that it helps you not get distracted 
if you feel like there is something. So I would definitely throw chat GPT under the bus here. Anybody in the marketing space is like, I have to write something about chat GPT. And if your content marketer comes back to you and says, cool, how does it align with our business? How does it help us talk about our message? I'm going to say that 90% of you can't answer it. Pushing back on that and saying there's a reason that we have key messages. There's a reason we have key topics, pillar platforms. It's so key, I think. And I want to point out too, that this mix of thinking critically about the content that you put out is something we hear a lot in our data-driven CMO, data-driven marketing leader series, because those are the two qualities that marketers have blended to become successful. I look forward to hosting you again when you're a CMO. (laughs) You absolutely will. It's funny you say that that made me think of something. I do follow sort of a content marketing influencer on LinkedIn. And the other day they posted that a content writer and a content strategist are two very different things, Mm -hmm. which, you know, in some sense I agree with, but they went on to say that content writers can typically spend hours or days developing content that may not make a splash. And that's where I completely disagree. I don't think it has to be that way at all. Ooh, what do you think it should be instead? I think content can make a splash on the first go. I think if there's something that's trending with your audience, that content can be atomized for other mediums and outlets. If you write a really great blog that's about a certain topic that resonates with your audience, it can be turned into a great social post. It could be turned into a great webinar or a podcast or a white paper. So there are a lot of ways to reach your audience many times and to engage them and say, hey, I really know what you're going through. Yeah, we have a previous podcast episode about this, actually, where we talked with Brooklyn Nash and Sam Hembry. They're from Beam Content about how you can really repurpose your high-performing content. And beyond, I think, exactly what you said, where it is like you can make it into, like, take a blog post, turn it into a podcast, you talk about it, whatever it might be. But you can also repurpose it for your different types of audiences. So if it's a high-funnel piece, but it's got some great customer quotes in it, make sure you're sending that to your other customers and things along those lines. So I completely agree with what you just said there too. As a content marketer, do you feel like you can do that on your own or do you need to buddy up with other people in your team? If you were to ask me personally, I would say I could do anything on my own. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. No, I'm kidding. No, no, no. I completely understand you. I'm going to say, I think a lot of marketers will 100% be like, of course, I have been a one-person show for forever (laughs) and I would just go off and do it. People on bigger teams need to know how to work with these other people. So if you perhaps are not the person who owns all of these channels, how would you say you'd go about buddying up with other people? Yeah. So I think the two most important resources to me would be a demand generation person and knowing how to speak their language. And also my secret weapon is always a designer. I think a designer is the person that can help translate that content into a number of different pieces that could resonate in different ways. So, you know, what is it about this piece that might stand out in digital advertising or an infographic? And back to my demand generation person, what outlets can we push this through? So those would be the two people that I absolutely need to engage with. And as a demand gen person, I will say a content marketer who understands that is a crucial partner as well to where I am a person who is going to be a lot more concerned about is the campaign running versus can I write really well? So someone who understands that, but then is also as data-driven as I am, is just such an asset 
that's another way of understanding that the people you're going to work with, you have to speak their same language. So knowing that your demand gen person is going to want to understand, did your work create some result? I'm always hesitant to say that a blog writer or a content marketer needs to tie to conversions specifically because I don't think that's where we play. Mm -hmm. Showing that it's effective is important and going back to then the other people who are there working with you. Yeah. And I think when those two people team up, it can be a lot of fun. How do we want to lay this out? How do we want to roll it out? How do we want it to possibly drip it in an email or something like that? It can be a lot of fun working with a demand generation person. Oh, yeah. And if you can plan that out ahead of time, I think it unlocks a lot of creativity because you're not just sitting there assuming that your work is only a blog or only an email nurture, but it's something like think of snippets, think of putting this in audio, think of making this into a great webinar. Who would you want to engage with? Who would you want to bring to the table? Is it an infographic, which I will also give a shout out for designers because infographics are not nearly as easy as all of these infographics spit <laughs> out or websites want you to think they are if they're good. I think it's a great way to say this partnership can unlock a lot more potential, both with how good your content is and what it's doing for the business. Mm -hmm. Is there anywhere that you go when it comes to like, I feel like you've kind of got a lot of experience with this, but is there anywhere you would go to learn more about the demand gen roles or the roles that you would partner with? There's always continued education for me. So what's trending in marketing? What has changed with Google algorithms that I need to be aware of as a writer and a strategist? And consuming not only other organizations' successful campaigns, but taking a look at LinkedIn is a great platform to see what's going on in content or in marketing because people are sharing their experiences. It's super educational. So kind of moving on, when we had our prep call, you shared that you have just done a website relaunch, which is also something that many a marketer no matter where you sit on the team has had to deal with because the website, a lot of your content sits on there. Demand gen, obviously, if you're in a SaaS market, something like online buyers. If you are doing a website relaunch, a lot of people are able to pay attention to what they call their NPS score. And I used to play in that space. So it was very much, you had to prep your whole team for a dip in your customer satisfaction because nobody likes it when things change. So... I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because I think your approach to this website redesign was different. And then I think you had excellent results. Teaser, teaser. Talk me through your website redesign, relaunch process and that whole experience for you. Sure. So as we've been talking about, I really love seeing a piece of content through its digital, let's say, journey. So it's not just about posting that content on the blog and hoping that people find it organically, but how can I actually get it to them? And this is written digital content, right? There are so many other forms, but I am a writer. I was given the opportunity to relaunch a website, which I have done in the past. But the thing the organization didn't like about the website is that it wasn't user-friendly and it really wasn't. And one of the first elements was pushing a demo. So when people are coming to the website, they don't really know who we are or that we understand their problems or that we understand how to help solve them uniquely. And so with the opportunity to redesign the website, I definitely looked at it through the lens of a content marketer. How can I optimize different architecture, we'll say, on the website to feature pieces of content that I'm producing? So I love a slider. I know people go yeah. back and forth about a slider, but a slider gives me so much opportunity to 
play with design and also showcase different forms of content. There was another opportunity to embed a ticker within a part of the website, which helps the organization to speak to some seasonality within the industry. So if there's something going on, we can share a piece of content or a webinar or a video or a resource that speaks to the audience. So in terms of how this went, I prepped my CRO and my CFO and said, hey, we should expect a dip in traffic. There could be some blips. Things might slow down a bit because typically that's what happens when you relaunch a site. But the exact opposite happened. We saw an actual increase in website traffic because it became more user-friendly and there were more pieces of content to engage with. People were spending more time on the site and we had a lower bounce rate because people were being trafficked from the homepage of the website into a product page or a piece of content to consume. And it's been great. There's several things I like about this story, but I think what resonated with me is that you're considering the customer when you're doing all of this. As much as you have your content marketing hat on, it was, how can I surface the most relevant stuff for my audience so that they're not left to dig on their own? You're making it as easy as possible for them and as relevant and as just, I would say, like as personal. I don't want to make it sound like personalization, but when I land on your website, I know that you understand me as your target audience. And I think that was great. The second thing I wanted to highlight is that you are talking to your CFO and your CRO, who are not necessarily connections that marketers think, especially if you are kind of a person who is designing the website or relaunching a website, the CMO is going to be involved in, but you're going to be more of the day-to-day worker and you might not have those connections made to the other people in the C-suite. So I think it's unique that you had those, but I also think people should be encouraged to reach out directly and say, I've got some things to talk to you about that are going to happen to kind of save your bacon a little bit further down the line. Like there's plenty of research out there if you're going to relaunch a website that says this is a known phenomenon. So have some patience and extend out. But you didn't have that because like you said, it's that you considered what makes sense for these customer journeys to take someone on and to get them further into the site before they need to convert. I think it's really, really common in SaaS or in B2B and something that you have to kind of get a demo. You have to get someone to talk to a salesperson. You just want that immediately because those have been the things that we have data on. We can see someone landed and someone converted, someone landed, someone converted. Are there any steps that you take in between there to see what that progress is from someone landing to someone converting? There are blind spots, of course. But we do use a number of analytics platforms and user journey tracking software to see how people are engaging with content, how they're coming in organically versus directly or paid. No, I think that's helpful. And I think that's something I'm just hoping people redefine when they're trying to say what success is. Figure out what those steps are in your journey so you can start to show the audience is moving from one to two, two to three. Because three then leads to four, five, six, which is your conversion, which Mm -hmm. is business outcomes. And it's the language that a lot of people want to talk is money. I also wonder what were some of those conversations that you had with kind of the higher ups? What did they look like? So I know that you said you're prepping them for this dip. Were you giving them an idea of how long it would last or what to expect later? 
Yeah. So I typically like to show up to conversations super, super informed, <laughs> which means Yay. I'm doing my research before having these conversations, especially with people in the C-suite. And I am giving those timelines and I am giving those percentages and letting them know what my professional experience is. I think that I'm lucky enough to be trusted as an expert in what I do. And I think I have a number of cheerleaders in the C-suite who have begun to understand the importance of content generation and the value of organic and how it actually can help save an organization money or how it compares to what a campaign could be or a yearly spend for paid. I think you know this, but I've seen throughout my career organic convert at higher rates because they're more qualified leads than something that comes in direct. We've engaged with them more. They found us. They know that we understand their pain points and that there's something unique about us that can help solve their problem. Yeah, we have seen that. And I think there's been research that shows too that that organic audience is just more ready when they do convert. It might be that they have a longer path to conversion, but in a certain way, that might be what you want to try to reconstruct for someone who is coming in from direct. Mm -hmm. An organic search might show you the exact path that someone who's really interested and really gets it takes before they go to that demo. So maybe that is the right path that says, this is how you want to educate someone who needs this particular product. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the future. It's like, as much as you can understand your audience through kind of what we've talked about already. So seeing what resonates from your written content or your other content that you're putting out there, but also from your other web metrics understanding them, speaking their language, talking to your customers, making sure that you know how your product answers their questions, but also beginning to compare those audience journeys. What is different about the ones that come from social versus your email nurture versus paid search, whatever that might be. It is cool to use Notch to see that. Fully disclosed plug right there. That's something that has been fun for me to use with the Notch tool, but you can do that in other ways too. So I think that It's awesome that you can lean in on the fact that you are trusted at your organization. And I'm curious, what questions do you think of in advance before you go into some of these conversations? I am always curious, of course, and always want to keep in mind what our organizational goals are. What are we doing in Q1, Q2 versus Q3 and Q4? So that I, as a content marketer, can align with those. I think those are my biggest questions so that I know that I'm delivering something that is not only expected of me, but can be strategic because it has been planned. Yeah, I like that. But I think it helps me understand that like one of the first questions you should be asking is, okay, I know that our North Star metric is leads generated. That's not a North Star metric. You know what I'm saying? You know, your question should be, how am I contributing to leads generated? So if it's a different business outcome, if it is revenue, your question needs to be, how am I contributing to revenue? And it could be that you back that up several steps, but that you can still say, you pull from this pot, I contribute to that pot in these ways. How do you kind of back that up? I think it's a really good reminder to anyone listening. We talk about it pretty frequently, I would say, in a lot of these podcast episodes, but I'll say that that's because it's important. It's really the question that marketers need to start answering. I agree 100%. And I would say now more than ever, I think this is something that we're hearing that we're being asked to do more with less is quantifying why something like, I love organic, I love SEO. So why those things are valuable to an organization and how it takes time to see the results. But once you do, you really, really do. 
And I'm always happy to, you know, I work remotely to drop those results into a chat with my CRO, who, like I said, is very, very supportive and excited about the results. Yeah. And what I'm also hearing that you're not saying exactly, but that I think I'm hearing is that you know your metrics really quickly. Yes. If you're able to just ping them back to someone, that is not a let me go find them answer. That is a I just checked these yesterday. I'll go copy paste them for you. Yep. I am in analytics. I am in other platforms taking a look at the results of my work constantly. I want to know what's working so I know where to go next so I can strategically plan out a content calendar for the next quarter. And it just excites me. It's great to see the outcome of my work. I love that. Well, that was all of my questions. I just like to ask people at the very end, what would you like someone to take away from the conversation that we just had? I think that I would love for content writers or content marketers to understand the value of adopting the other position skill. So if you're a content writer and you fear analytics, maybe take a Google Analytics course and see the results of your work because it can be really empowering and vice versa. You know, if you're a content marketer and you want to dip into some keyword research and try to format a piece of content in a way that's strategic, go for it. I like that. Take some initiative. There are options that you have to learn what these other adjacent pieces of your role are as a content writer or a content marketer, strategist, whatever you want to call yourself. That's right. And there's a world of resources. I like that too. Well, thank you so much, Kimberly. I really loved this conversation and I've loved meeting you. And again, thank you for doing my job on LinkedIn. I will drop a <laughs> link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. So everybody else, if you're listening, don't forget to subscribe and I hope to see you for our next episode. Thanks for listening to Pros and Content brought to you by Notch. We hope you subscribe to hear more interviews with leading marketers in SaaS B2B companies. We're focused this season on how marketers prove their contribution to business growth at all stages of the funnel. You can learn more about how Notch helps you uncover your organization's true audience journey, including what drives conversions at notch.com. That's K-N-O-T-C-H dot com.